Um, eight months of summer in Delhi is actually a torture. Compared to many other places, the summer months are much shorter. I don't know if Delhi has a season called spring and autumn. It perhaps doesn't exist, unlike other places. Maybe just that October and uh, March, maybe. If at all you want to. But winter is actually only December and January, right? And the rest are almost as good as summer. And as we have been talking about, and John mentioned, there is that sense of excitement when December comes. Fortunately or unfortunately, the excitements are connected to most of the external activities that we are involved with. The warm clothes, the uh, noiseless sleep, no fan and AC on, uh, the warmth of the quilt, the food, the decoration, and all this stuff. And in the midst of excitement, we can also sense a bit of a boredom. I don't know whether you have sensed it. You know, what is that boredom? When it comes to the actual storyline of Christmas, people are not really quite interested. You know, when we were children, we had these programs, and these long-awaited Christmas programs, day-long, sometimes week-long. We are interested in everything. And then there are these story times when you have to tell the story of Christmas. You know, when we were very little, taking part in all those plays, you become, a, you become Joseph, you become a shepherd, the girls will become angels. All those were exciting. But as you grew up, if you, are, if you were asked to tell a story, we would say those familiar uh, rhyming things in Hindi, you know, Ek tha raja, ek thi rani, dono mar gaya, khatam kahani. I don't know whether you have said this. Right? We are not really interested in that. We are not really interested in the content of Christmas. We're interested in all that is around the belfry. It's all that you can pray for. As a church today is, Lord, save us from this border. Have mercy on us. Kya de sakta hon? Kya la sakta hon? Even as we were singing that song, the other song, English hymn came up. Here's my heart, Lord. Take it and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above and that's the only thing that we can give absolutely nothing else so even as we look at the story of Christmas if at all you may say that let's pray that the Lord will speak to us and the portion today is from Luke chapter 2 we didn't have the sermon reading did we? we missed out um Okay. Can you play this out? Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. I thought if the servant reading was there, it becomes easier. We don't have to read it. Luke chapter uh, 2, verses 1 to 20. The actual portion was from 8 to 20, but I kind of extended it a bit more earlier. And I'm reading it from the uh, New King James Version. It goes like this, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinus was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up 
from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out of the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see the thing, see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen as it was told them. Now as we began today with this contrast of excitement and boredom, we see some other contrasts in and through this passage. And one of the contrasts is the fact of history and fairy tale. It's a contrast. What we have read through is history. It is not a fairy tale if we feel it like that. Why is it history? And this portion, therefore, becomes very important. Verse 1, And it came to pass in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. They are real people. In real time. In a real place. Who is Caesar Augustus? Any idea? How many of you know them? One of the most powerful emperors at Rome. He took reigns soon after Julius Caesar was killed. And I have something about Caesar here. He was more famous than Julius Caesar in some or the other way. He was the most celebrated of all Roman emperors. The second in a long list of them. The first was Julius Caesar. He was the successor to Julius Caesar. His original name was Gaius Octavius. Adopted name was Gaius Julius Caesar Octavianus. Born in September 23rd, 63 BC. Died in August 19th, 14 AD, near Naples in Italy. He was the grand nephew of Julius Caesar. 
यानी जूलियस का बहन का ग्रैंडसन ही वॉज जूलियस फेवरेट ही वॉज एट अपोलियोनिया नाउ इन अल्बेनिया कंप्लीटिंग इस अकेडमिक एंड मिलिट्री स्टडीज वेन इन फोर्टी फोर बी सी जूलियस सीजर वॉज मर्डर्ड वेन सीजर वॉज जूलियस वॉज एसासनेटेड एंड फेल एट द फूट ऑफ द स्टैच्यू ऑफ पॉम्पी ऑन द फ्लोर ऑफ द सेनेट his last will was read out and julius had named augustus as his heir he was only 18 when against the advice of his stepfather and others he decided to take up this inheritance and proceeded to rome the senate of rome named him emperor and gave him the title caesar augustus You know what Augustus means? The supreme and majestic one. The Jews hated that title. Why? Because according to the Jews there was only one who was worthy of title and that was God himself and nobody else. So they shrank in horror. The true August or the true Augustus was born in a manger. Caesar Caesar Augustus celebrated the memory of his great uncle how he took it upon himself to build a temple in his honor acknowledging the deity of Julius Caesar what a foolish mistake the deity of Julius Caesar who is a deity a deity is one whom we worship which means that Julius Caesar was god as per the claim of the romans and so this is a historical fact during the time of augustus he sent out a decree and what was the decree that all people should go back to their own original place of birth why and register themselves and the purpose was this for this was to enable the taxation system in place So Joseph left Nazareth in Galilee and he went to Bethlehem why because he was in the lineage of David and who did he brought along with his wife Roman law did not it was not mandatory for your wives to come along with them but then Joseph did not leave Mary alone why you and I know it she was carrying and the word says it was near time for her to deliver but even as we know this reason we also know that there was an ultimate reason what was that god had decreed in eternity past what we read that in micah chapter 5 verse 2 what does micah say micah prophesied but you bethlehem ephrata Though you are little among the thousands of Judah yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from old from everlasting and these days were fulfilled when did Micah prophesy this during the reign of king Jotham king Jotham reigned Israel when almost around 750 to 731 BC Thirty years before the events took place, and now is the time 
that the event has come to pass. This is not a fairy tale. This is history. You want to get deeper into it? Two sources. One, get into the world. Other source, get into the history of the Roman Empire and other extra-biblical literature. You will find a lot of proof in that. So this is one contrast that we started off with. Our excitement has to move on from the activities to the very event of the birth of Jesus itself. It's not a story, it is history. The second contrast that we see is the humiliation and glory of God. The entrance of Jesus into the world is in the backdrop of humiliation. Why do we see that? Where was he born? In a manger. There was no place for him, is what the word says. There's no place for him. When Jesus grew up and became an adult, we see him quoting the same thing. What did he say? The Son of Man does not have a place to lay his, his head. Right? But then for God, the shame had to balance, be balanced with glory. Even as you see in this event, his birth place took place. His, uh, the place where he was born is a place of humiliation. But then we also saw, we see something else. We also see the glory of God. Where do we see the glory of God being revealed here at this time? In this passage. On the outskirts of the town. Why on the outskirts of the town? Who were there? The shepherds. The most despised of all people in those times. They could not be found within the city. You will not find them in Dwarka. You will find them on the outskirts of Dwarka. On the highways. People go and come, but they are not concerned about these people. They were the least among all. And to them, what do we see? An angel of the Lord appears. And then what do we see? The angel was accompanied with the glory of God. With the glory of God. So we see humiliation and we see glory at one end. And uh, when the glory was visible, what do people do? We see it in the Old Testament. What did people do? In those times when the glory was visible during the days of Moses, people would hide. They couldn't bear to see, for it was far too bright, and the glory couldn't be beheld by men like us. They would be on their knees, hiding their face. And the glory of God appearing to the most and the least of all people. The third contrast that we see is fear and fear not, or fear and courage, if you want to put it like that. Verse 9 to 12, verse 9, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and what happened? They were greatly afraid. If you look at the King James Version, the original one, the, nobody reads that today. It says, they were so afraid. Somewhere there's a difference, right? On the level of fear, 
in the in the language they were afraid and they were so afraid and when you are so afraid it means they were really afraid and who wouldn't be when you see something like that but in the midst of that fear verse 10 the angel comes and says what do not be afraid do not be afraid you know what have you heard something about this dialectical courage you know what dialectical courage is it is irrational um it is it doesn't have any basis let me give you an example my wife is afraid of dogs so if you have to go to pastor's place she'll call up sharon and say i'm coming and the condition is the dog should be nowhere near the living room if that condition is convenient for you then i'm coming if it is inconvenient for you she will conveniently say i'm not coming right there is a fear factor so if you tell rena don't be afraid it is meaningless it is meaningless for her because there is no setting to make her courageous right so in 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 a dialectical courage it means this it says this life is meaningless be courageous even though courage is equally meaningless do you see that life is meaningless be courageous but courage is equally meaningless means there is no sound reason to invite anyone to be courageous and that's the courage of the world and that's how the courage that's how the world describes courage to us be strong be confident be courageous on what basis on the basis of nothing is empty it's hollow but that's not what jesus says do you see here jesus saying be of good cheer life is meaningless doesn't say that when jesus grew up and became an adult what did he say be of good cheer for i have overcome the world there is a reason he gives you a reason he says be of good cheer be courageous why because i have overcome the world there's a reason for courage and long before jesus said that the angels proclaimed here what do the angels proclaim do not be afraid for behold i bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people for there is born to you this day the city of david a savior who is christ the lord there is a reason so do not be afraid do not be afraid to who was the christ born for unto you who is the angel talking to the despised shepherds to people who most felt unwanted to you and me the most despised of sinners for people who are not worthy of it god says unto you a child is born 
This is history. It's not a story. It's not a story. And to the shepherds, they say, don't be afraid. Today your Messiah is born, your Lord is born. This will be the sign. This will be the sign. What are the signs in verse 15 and 16? When the sh- what was the sign? That you will see a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. So, in verse 15 and 16, when the angels left, what did the shepherds do? They went and sought after that sign. They went to Bethlehem and saw the child. Today, we don't have to go to the manger. He's not there. Where do you look for the sign? Where do you look for this historical sign? In God's word. Dig deep. You will find him. You need to seek after that sign. Go and seek after that sign. You will find him in his word. And for his sake, search. And you will find. He's there. Available. The next contrast that we see is peace and war. What does words 14 says? And the message today's title of today's message is word. He's the Prince of Peace. Verse 14 says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. What does peace mean here? What does peace mean? I have a portion to read. Revelation 19 verse 11. You know what it says? Now I saw the heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. How can the one who makes war bring peace? That's like Adolf Hitler standing here and saying, after killing everybody, he stands here and says, Peace be unto you. How does it sound like? Sounds funny. Crazy. Isn't it? So the peace that he mentions is not to be taken as a universal declaration of peace to all humanity. In fact, peace here is a corollary of, of justification. You know what corollary is? Something that happens because of something else. Something that happens because of something else. So what is it that happened? When the word says and when God says peace and goodwill. Romans 5 chapter 1. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Sorry. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. What does it say? Therefore having been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the basis of peace? Justification. Because we have been justified by faith, we have peace. That peace is not available to the person walking outside. It's available to you and me if indeed you and me have put our belief and trust in the one and only living God. And if we profess that Jesus Christ indeed is Lord, that he died for my sins 
and he rose again and my sins died with him and I now live with him. To those that believe, you have been justified. And if you have been justified, here it is. Peace that comes from God alone. And who strives for peace? God himself strives for our peace. Romans 16, chapter 16, verse 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. What does God do to bring God do to bring about that peace for us? He is in war with the devil. And he will crush Satan under his feet. Why? So that you and I can have peace. But what is the condition for peace? There is a condition. You don't get peace just like that. What is the condition? Philippians chapter 4 verse 9. What does Paul say? The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. What's the condition of peace? The things which you have learned from God's word and received through God's word and the preaching of his word. And you have heard and you have seen in me, Paul is saying in me as a personal testimony. What does Paul say? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so he so boldly, boldly uh, asks us to imitate him because he is imitating Christ. So Paul is saying if you imitate me, you are imitating Christ in one way. But imitate, live in obedience. And then what happens? The God of peace will be with you. In fact, go back to Psalms chapter 85, verse 5, verse 8. Even more interesting. He says, I will hear what God, the Lord, will speak. Listen to this carefully. I will hear what the Lord and God will speak. For he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. God will speak peace to his people. And then it says, but let them not turn back to folly. Oh. God is here this December month speaking to you peace. If only you do what you hear and live in obedience. Please don't turn back in folly. Please don't turn back. What gives us hope? We are so crushed. We are so sinful. We can't even save ourselves. No matter how hard I try, I fail. And every moment I live, with a sense of repentance. Lord forgive me, Lord forgive me, Lord forgive me. Always on my lips and my heart. Why? There are so many sins that we commit, even sometimes without knowing. Forgive Lord, forgive. Who brings this peace? 
within us and who brings his peace about in us. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20. This is the hope that God gives us. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you complete in every good work to do what? to do his will working in you what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever Amen who is working in our lives who is perfecting our lives God alone why? because we cannot save ourselves what a promise what a hope what beauty along with peace in verse 14 it said glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and then what goodwill toward men and what is the goodwill it refers to God's sovereign good pleasure God's sovereign good pleasure so a better way to put it put it is like this peace toward men on whom God's sovereign pleasure rests you see that peace to whom peace to those men on whom God's sovereign pleasure rests on whom does sovereign God's pleasure rest? On those who were elected even before the foundations of the world was laid. That is his church. It's you and me. You're here because God sovereignly decided to choose you or to save you. God's peace is not a reward for those who have good will. If you go outside, you have a lot of good people who has good will towards you. But God's peace is not with them. Instead, God's peace is a gracious gift to those who are objects of His good will. You see that? God's peace is a gift to those who are objects of his goodwill. And those are the contrasts that we see. And after the contrast, we get into a different kind of a mood. Verse 17 and 18 says, Now when they had seen him, who? The shepherds. They made, what did they do? They made widely known the thing which were told them concerning the child. They probably told everyone. They probably told everyone. After hearing, listening to the angel, they went to Bethlehem. So they heard the message. They saw what was in front of them. And what did they do after that? They went and told the people. What did they say? What they had heard and what they had seen. They did not do evangelism by example. They opened their mouth. They spoke. They did not wait for people to look at their conduct. And then wait for people to ask, why are you so different? And then you wait for an opportunity and say, this is why I'm different. 
No. They opened their mouth and spoke. And what happened when they spoke? Verse 18. All those who heard it, what happened? They marveled at those things which are told by them, by the shepherds. I always have this question. How long do you think they were marveled at? You know, among, among today's Christians, most of the Christians who came from a different background have a real strong converting experience. They are the most marveled. For people who have, were born in Christian families, who are used to the Christian rituals and came up celebrating Christmas from childhood, very often fail to marvel. Why? Because to them, it is less of history and is more of a fairy tale. Isn't that true? I'm not asking you to raise hands, but introspect. Do we marvel still? If so, we don't have to wait. We need to open our mouth. Every place that you have been placed is a mission field. Your workplace, your homes, your neighborhood is your mission field. You, are, you don't just support missionaries. As if I pass the idea, ho gaya mera kaam. No. The nation, Vicky Patel, are not the only missionaries. You and I are called to be one where God has placed us without losing out on opportunities that God gives us to be a testimony for Him. So on December 18th, we have the Christmas program where we are calling all our friends and relatives, our friends, our neighbors. Are you marveling? Call them for the program. On the 22nd of December, we are hoping we will go out for carols. And if anybody wants to host, call your neighbors. What is there for you to host a carol singer? You have been singing from childhood. What is the point in me coming over and singing? Call your neighbors. Create opportunities for them to listen. And give a reason and an example. We're coming to an end. Verse 19. Very interesting. You know what it says? People marveled. And then verse 19 says, But, but, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Wow. Do you think Mary had peace? She gave birth to the very peace. Of the world. Did she have peace? If you look through the account of Mary altogether, we only see one basic conversation that God revealed something to her. What it was what was revealed? That she would conceive and give birth. But then what after the birth? What will happen? Did God give her an idea? Nothing is revealed in God's word at least. Nothing is revealed in the Bible. One by one, as the events unfolded, right from the birth, it says Mary pondered. The angel spoke, and the baby is born. And I am wondering what she pondered. Ab kya? 
अब आगे क्या होगा वेन इट वॉज द एथ डे एंड जीजस वॉज टेकन टू टेम्पल फॉर सर्कुलेशन आई एम श्योर शी पॉन्डर एवरी नाइट वुड वेन जीजस वुड टप वेन मेरी वुड टप द बेबी टू स्लीप आई एम श्योर शी पॉन्डर When Jesus was 12 years old and went to the temple and disputed with the teachers of the Jewish Pharisees, I'm sure she pondered. When on the first miracle at the wedding at Cana, when water was turned into wine, I'm sure she pondered. When Jesus said, when some of the disciples said, "Your mother and brothers are waiting," and then Jesus said, "All those." Who believe in me are my mother, my brothers and sisters. She would have said, "What on earth is happening? Am I not his mother?" She pondered when she was standing at the foot of the cross and saw his son dying. She pondered. I'm sure after the resurrection, all those ponderings. Would have had a new meaning in our life. To you and me, a child has been born. We put our trust in Christ. We know one thing that history has taken place. We study through God's word that all prophecy and has come true until now, and we believe. that whatever has been prophesied will come true are we pondering what do we ponder i put my faith in christ the god of peace is in me yet yet we don't have peace around us do we we don't we have turmoils and troubles all across in relationships in financial situations in governments we see corruption we see no peace what are we pondering about i would say mary held her peace in the midst of all this she pondered why because it was god who spoke to her and she believed and she believed and looked forward to what lay ahead in future you and me put our trust in him and we believe in the god of peace and as we ponder as to what is happening around us no be still and know that he is god and he is in control and we ponder over this we close with verse 20 then the shepherds returned what do they do glorifying and praising god for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them this is a christian this is what you and i are called upon to do during this christmas hear and go and tell they were doing two things they were praising god and they were glorifying him this is a christian to give glory honor dominion praise to the one and only living god 
And this is Christmas. It's not a fairy tale. It's a fact. Let's pray that we will not be bored about Christmas. Instead, God will set out the spirit and work in us so actively and powerfully that we become effective testimonies for His glory. Amen.